1: Because there's nothing like a weekend pause with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your
0: me
2: moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results.
0: I'm Oscar Ramirez from the Daily Dive podcast in Los Angeles, and this is Reopening America. Months into the pandemic, the country is still facing a shortage of N95 respirator masks. While hospitals have increased their supplies and stockpiles continue to be replenished, many nurses and frontline healthcare workers are finding themselves still reusing masks that were only meant to be used once. Mass production has increased, but without long-term guarantees, manufacturers are hesitant to invest more and they are protecting their intellectual property and not sharing exactly how the masks are developed. Jessica Contrera, reporter at The Washington Post, joins us for the N95 shortage we can't seem to fix. Thanks for joining us, Jessica. Thanks for having me. I wanted to talk about the N95 mask. Obviously, this is one of the most useful and most crucial pieces of PPE that our healthcare workers need right now during the coronavirus pandemic. But months into the pandemic now we're still struggling to meet demand for this item which once costed just about a dollar a piece we've seen the manufacturers of these masks go into overdrive trying to keep up with demand but they can't and there's been a lot of other problems in the supply chain which really just haven't let us catch up so jessica you wrote a piece about this tell us what's going on
3: So it's a very layered issue. It just comes down to something that we all kind of learned about in high school economics, right? Supply and demand. The demand for N95s is crazy high right now. So even though the manufacturers who have always made N95s have definitely gone into overdrive making as many as they can, they are nowhere close to meeting the demand. And there are some other options for how we might get closer to that. And That's where the story got really interesting for me, uh, was trying to figure out what else could we be doing and why maybe aren't we doing it yet.
0: Now, there's a lot of things that go into why the N95 is the premier respirator that our healthcare workers need. There's the fit around your face is very important. The filter, special filters inside of it also filter out. I think it's 95% of uh, particles. So they're super important on that front, but you featured uh john hopkins hospital a lot in your article and kind of the supply chain that they went through just the difficulty uh, you know you profiled a few different nurses who have been using their n95 respirator masks for months tell us a little bit about that
3: so it just seems crazy you know at the beginning you, you mentioned that these masks only used to cost around a dollar a piece so they seem like this like relatively simple piece of plastic But if you actually look at an N95 under a microscope, you can see what really makes them unique. There are these fibers that are woven in this crazy pattern, and the fibers are actually charged so that they work like a magnet to trap particles. And what that means is they work really, really well. You know, I spent months following this nurse at Johns Hopkins, Kelly Williams, and Kelly wore her one N95 mask through 12-hour shifts for over two months. And she is up and close and personal with COVID-positive patients. You know, she is doing chest compressions. She is holding down people having seizures. She is just being in the room when somebody coughs. Millions of particles are flying at her face and she still hasn't gotten sick or brought the virus home to her family that she knows of. So what that tells us is that this N95 mask is very, very powerful. And that's why this conversation around do we have enough of them, is so important. And it's fallen out the conversation a little bit as we've turned to cloth masks and things like that. But inside hospitals and retirement homes and places where people really need this protection, the N95 mask is still that piece of gold that they need.
0: And these masks, obviously, they were designed to just be used once and then tossed after each patient. So as you mentioned, the nurse you were following, Has been wearing it for some months now. What are they doing to clean them? I know there was a bunch of different procedures you could take to help clean them. What is she doing to use it longer than she's supposed to?
3: So the CDC recommends that in an emergency situation you can rewear N95s that you would once throw away after every single patient. Their recommendation is just only maybe five uses. The way that some people have been extending the life of their N95 is through these sanitation machines, maybe with UV light or heat. They're trying to figure out ways to make it so the actual particles that are trapped in the mask get killed. What Hopkins is doing is trying to ask its nurses, you know, basically take really good care of your mask, right? So if you wear for the day, you're not touching the outside of it, you're hanging it up so that it's air drying. And the other thing that they have at Hopkins that a lot of hospitals do not have, there are other types of respirators. So N95s aren't the only kinds of respirators. You may be more familiar with a respirator that looks kind of like a gas mask. It's got uh, filter, which in and out. There are also ones that look like almost like an astronaut hood. They blow clean air inside this hood. Those are a lot more expensive, and so there are many hospitals who don't have them. But at Hopkins, they do have them. So Kelly is able to wear each different respirator on different days. But she prefers her N95 the most because, of course, it's the most comfortable and breathable.
0: So where's the problem with just making more of these? There was a lot made of the De- Defense Production Act. When we thought ventilators was going to be a huge issue and we needed more made, President Trump enforced that. And then some manufacturers started making those. How come that never happened with the N95 masks? And then beyond that, the manufacturers of those masks, I know that they have ramped up their production really heavily, but they're still not able to keep up. So what's going on there?
3: The Defense Reduction Act is, of course, this power that the president has to basically interfere in a time of crisis to say, we need to make this item and we need you to give it to us first and here's money to do it. And so that's something that this administration has been hesitant to use for n ninety five. They have used it some. A good number for comparison is that under the DPA, the Department of Defense has spent about $300 million to ramp up N95 production. So that means funding uh, businesses that make filters, for example. But $300 million in the big scheme of what military spending is, is really, really small. When I looked at the numbers, you know, the military spends more on musical bands every year than it has on N95. ramp up this year. So what that says is that the Trump administration is really depending on the industry to step up on its own. But when I talk to people who actually work in the industry, who make N95, make filters, represent those kinds of corporations, they say, we're doing all we can. But the reality is that at some point, this pandemic is going to end. This demand is going to disappear. So we have to be careful that we're not going crazy so that we don't go out of business when this is over. And what they say that they need is more guarantees from the government that say, make as many N95 masks as you can, build that second line, buy more machines, change over your filters from making parts for cars to be able to make N95 filters, and we've got you. We'll buy these masks even if the demand trickles down because we know we'll need them later. We know we can put them in the stockpile. The manufacturers say that they are not receiving those kinds of contracts and promises at the level that they would need to invest even more.
0: That's a tough situation and I can sympathize with them on that front. You know, they're gonna go through all this extra work, extra production equipment, and then when the pandemic is over they'll have all this extra stuff that they're not using. But There was just a survey of nurses, 21,500 nurses, that showed that 68% of them are required to reuse their respirators at least more than five times, which is recommended by the CDC. So the need for them to get back up to kind of where we were, I guess, before is still there. And then all the stockpiles that we need, hospitals and the national stockpile need to be replenished. So there will be some need for that for some time to come. One of the other interesting things that I noted from your article is that when it came time for ventilators to be made, some of these companies that made ventilators kind of shared their secrets, shared how the process goes with other companies like GM and all that so that they can also make those. But that's not necessarily happening with these N95 masks. Some of these companies like 3M don't want to share those secrets so that other people can step up and ramp up production of these things.
3: That was one of the things that definitely tripped me up in the reporting. You know, to me, I'm not a business reporter all the time. I am not uh, spending a lot of time thinking about intellectual property and proprietary information. So it was kind of like if we know how to make these things and we know how to make them really well, why aren't we just telling each other how to do that? but that really isn't what has happened here. And that's in part because unlike ventilators, N95s have to be approved by NIOSH, um, the regulatory body that says, yes, this N95 works super well. So it's a little bit more difficult in this situation to do that, to be able to know that if you contract with an outside organization, they're going to make that N95 just as well as you do. But it is happening. You know, there are automakers like GM and Ford that they have started making their own version of N95. They have gotten those N95s approved by NIOSH, but we're not seeing those automakers or other outside manufacturers making huge numbers of N95s. Right now, they're just making enough for their own employees, for their immediate communities, things like that. So they're, you know, to the organizations that represent millions of nurses and doctors, they see these things as as opportunities. And another important part of the DPA, not to get too into the nitty-gritty, but, you know, there is a provision within the DPA that basically would allow these manufacturers to all come to the table to work together and not be subject to antitrust laws.
0: And finally, what's the effect on the nurses that you've spoke to and followed through for this story? I mean, it's got to be... Super stressful just to know that you don't have all the equipment available to you to have to reuse equipment that you normally wouldn't have to, Uh, you know, what's the effect been on them?
3: I think you can see that in every nurse that you talk to, you know, whether they don't have protection or even when they do. Kelly, who I spent so much time with, she has this recurring nightmare where she's trying to get into the room. You know, they have to put on so much equipment just to be able to go into a a room of a COVID patient. So she's throwing on her gloves, she's throwing on her gown, and then she looks in the room and the patient on the bed is her stepson. She is so afraid of this virus home to her family. And the only thing that gives her confidence to be able to come home every day is that protection, right? It's not like she can, you know, we saw at the beginning of this pandemic, um, you know, even in my own family, you know, my mom's a nurse and her and my dad made sure to separate so that she wasn't potentially exposing him. But now we know that this is going to on for months and months. So many families have accepted, you know, a certain level of risk, but what makes them feel better is to know that the protection that they have works. So I think for a lot of healthcare workers across the country, you know, they really appreciate hearing things like that they're a hero, right? That they're on the front lines, that they're appreciated. But I think more than being appreciated, I hear that they want to be protected.
0: Well, it does seem like we are making inroads on catching up, but we're still far from where we need to be on this. So we'll keep watching out for this. Jessica Contrera, reporter at The Washington Post, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, and thanks for highlighting this issue. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this has been Reopening America. Don't forget that for today's big news stories, you can check me out on the Daily Dive podcast every Monday through Friday. So follow us on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: disease.
4: Are you feeling overwhelmed by anxiety, struggling to find restful sleep, or